Welcome to another sparkling edition of The Thought Police. It's the thought-provoking podcast that people like to listen to because it's politics but slightly differently done. Uh, with Matt Kelly from The New European and me, Mike Graham. Matt, very good afternoon to you. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've been... Um, I can suppose what we can say at the beginning of, of the week is Boris Johnson's back at work, which is, is, is probably a good thing. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. you might not think so. Um, and also, well, no, I do. I mean, I think the world is breathing a massive sigh of relief now that Dominic Raab has been re- relieved, <laughs> relieved of his grasp of the nuclear button. Do you not think he was kind of getting getting into it though a bit more? He seemed a bit. He looked a bit more authoritative as the time went on. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess so. You you relax into it, but he's very robotic and uh, and small as well. I haven't quite appreciated just how small he is. Not that I've got. Is he not? Is he, I, 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 I don't think I've ever actually seen him. Is he? Is he small? He's quite, I'd say, probably about 5'9", something like that. Oh, is that five, right? Eight. Oh, God. Yeah. He always looked like a massive big man to me. But yeah. You saw him, the, the podium sort of half covered him. Oh, OK. Oh, that, I never really thought yeah. about that. You see, it's funny. I, there are things that you would notice because you're, like me, a trained journalist, and things that I don't yeah. notice. I've got this terrible habit, right, of, and I don't know whether it's something that happens with age, but I'll look around and I'll go, I've never seen that before. You know, like something yeah. in the building. <laughs> And he'll go, yeah. and some, whoever I'm standing with, that's been there ever since we've worked here. And I'm like, really? I've never noticed it, you know. And I, there are things about that I don't notice about individuals, you know. Um, yeah. And you and you kind of form an opinion, I suppose, of people. I mean, for example, um, when you think about some politicians and then you finally meet them, they're almost always different to what you thought they'd be like, you know. Yeah, definitely. The, the most striking one that I've had like that was Vince Cable. Yes. I, so I always looked at Vince Cable and thought, very considerate, measured, calm right. type of person who you could engage with in a, a sensible uh, debate. Yeah. And then I met him and started speaking to him. Mm. And he and he, he doesn't listen to anything. He no. just babbles over you. And he's kind of like, you know, really not, not the Vince Cable, the nice little family uncle everybody no. had in there. No, life. exactly right. Uh, and in fact, the other, do you remember the other guy that was head of the Liberal Democrats for a while? Um, Clegg. Who, not Clegg, no, the guy who didn't like homosexuality. Um, oh, Tim Farron. Tim yeah. Farron. He actually came across much better in person than I thought he would. You know, I, mean, yeah. I got him into the into the tent of common sense. He was actually quite quite a sort of pleasant individual, and I thought he was going to be this kind of yeah. mad, crazed, you know, sort of you know, god god botherer. No, he was. <laughs> I think he was certainly a god botherer, but <laughs> he was he he was a nice guy. He's a sort of good northern working class lad, Tim Farron. Yeah, the lakes, isn't he, sir? Yeah, I mean, these yeah, are all definitely. the guys that are in your side of the the, the fence as well, aren't they? Yes. Well, it depends which fence you're talking about. Well, but, I'm talking uh, about the Remain, the Remain yeah. fence, you know, the people that still hate Dominic Cummings so much that they have a go at him for going to a meeting which he was supposed to go to in the first place. <laughs> oh, for the days of a good old Brexit argument. I know, <laughs> I know. It all seems so petty now, doesn't it? Well, it seems so totally ridiculous, doesn't it? And, I mean, the whole idea of sort of... We talked about Labour and the new Keir Starmer approach last week. It doesn't didn't last long, did it? I mean, they've gone back to just no. being completely and utterly slash and burn everything that the Tories are yeah. doing, and while at the same time saying, but, of course, we're very supportive of the government, and then, you know, <laughs> sort of kicking them to death. Exactly. They, yeah. uh, no, it's gone back to Punch and Judy. Yeah, it really has. It's quite disappointing. But but I was encouraged by Boris's appearance because, you know, when he came out of the hospital, he didn't really didn't look well. And just before no. he went in, he really didn't look well. And for the first time today, I thought, when we were watching it this morning, I thought, actually, he looks quite healthy now. He looks like he's all right. He because high. a lot of people say that when they've suffered from this horrible disease, um, that they lose loads of weight and, you know, they get very weak. And he looks quite robust. 
Yes, made me think that he could possibly have come back to work on Friday, but fancied the weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, why not? I mean, I imagine that uh, it's a bit like sort of when you're a foreign correspondent. You know, you don't really get any time off if you're the prime minister. You know, people ring you all the time. People ask you stuff all the time. You're probably doing. I mean, I've I've got. It's hard enough for me to get off bloody Zoom and house party at the weekends now. Yeah. Um, to actually find any time to do anything, you know. I, do, I don't. I don't believe that he was. Surely, if you're the prime minister, even if you're I mean, obviously, if you're at death's door, that's different. Yeah. But if you're convalescing from something, surely you've still got your hand on the tiller, haven't you? You would think so. But I mean, I imagine, actually, with, with this horrible virus, if you've got it and you are convalescing and he came out of hospital, um, you know, maybe because he, he literally just wanted to leave the hospital and live, give, give the bed to somebody else, he, yeah. he, you know, you, you can be very worn down. I mean, even when you've, if you've ever had flu, which I've only had about twice in my life, proper flu, you literally yeah. can't do anything. You know, you feel yeah. exhausted all the time and you just, yeah. you haven't got the energy. So you might be able to say chair a meeting, but you wouldn't be able to do what he's doing now, which is probably basically non-stop conversations and non-stop yeah. uh, meetings and lectures and all sorts, you know? Yeah, probably not. I remember, um, like, working for some editors who, who literally never took a day off. Yeah. Even when they were on holiday, right. they would demand stuff being faxed through to them. I remember Piers, funnily enough, the first... I think it was the first summer holiday he had at the Mirror, yeah. and he went off to J- Jamaica, if my memory serves right, and he demanded that every single page of the newspaper was faxed through to his really? hotel. Really? Oh, blimey. Oh, my God. And yeah. in those and days, it was not... Marks. In those days, it was well before we were up to speed with technology. Because Do you remember... You oh, might remember... I remember when I got my first um, MacBook Pro uh, from Eugene Duffy when I was up in Scotland, right? Uh, and I got this new brand spanking new Apple laptop. I thought, this is great. Um, And I had a dial-up modem, which was to dial into the system in London so I could see the pages when I was at home, right? And I'll tell you what, it used to take about an hour to get page one. One hour. Because it was such a big file. Um, And I remember remember the one thing I did manage to do, which was I went to uh, the... Do you remember the European Cup final, the Champions League final, which was at Hamden? And it was between, I think, Real Madrid and... um, by Leverkusen, I think. Um, right. It was the one where um, there was that amazing goal scored by Zidane. You know, it was like the ball seemed to be falling from the sky really, really slowly, and he just volleyed it right into the back of the net. And it, yeah, was, a brilliant, it was a brilliant game. And I went, obviously, because it was in Glasgow. Um, and Glasgow came alive because there was all these Real Madrid fans and there was all these Bayer Leverkusen fans, and the place was like a sort of continental city for the night. And I remember taking the laptop to the press uh, gallery where I was sitting and being incredibly, incredibly pleased with myself because I managed to pull up the, the picture that I wanted on page one because we did a whole wraparound thing much different to the way they did yeah. it in London, you know, um, because it was Glasgow's cup final. Um, yeah. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. Look at this. I, picked, yeah. I actually edited the page on my screen and sent it through and they got yeah. the right picture, you know, and I thought, this is, this is revolutionary. You know, now, and now I can do it on my phone. Yeah, you know? and also like you could edit, you could literally edit the entire paper from your phone. Yeah, I know it's incredible. I mean, my phone now, I'm told, and I'm sure you've heard this before, has got more capability and sort of um, you know a, a memory than the entire um, mission control it did the when moon, they sent yeah. men to the moon. Oh, to be honest with you, I think that's been true for about 15 years. I think those Nokia Mars bars, yeah, much beat Apollo 11. Right. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, we've entered a new period. We're told by Boris Johnson that um, we're about to enter phase two. Now, the slightly worrying thing for me is I don't know how many phases there are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was worried about the 
because the Italians have done the same and they were asked about when will schools go back yes. and they said that's a phase 3 thing oh, is and it? that won't happen that won't happen until September okay yeah i think i think i think we're all pretty much about to to be told the same thing but, the, but their football's yeah. coming back in may though which is interesting fantastic if that happens yeah honestly. don't we need something we really do around? yeah i was hearing somebody from talk sport the other day talking about how they've now got live sport back but it's like horse racing from Kazakhstan or something. Yeah, great. <laughs> but that's literally the only thing that's going on. The Austra- I think the Australian Rugby League season's picking up again towards the end of May. So that'll be something. The bookies must be in dire straits. Well, do you know, it's funny. I think that they've been running sort of... I mean, there was a virtual Grand National, wasn't there, that was done, which, yeah. I, which I think betting companies actually were allowing people to bet on. Right. But, I mean, I don't know how you police all that, really, do you? No. But, I mean, honestly, I hate bookmakers because mm. I just think they're like a high street evil that prey on people. And I hate all these Ray Winston adverts, you know, trying yeah. to get people into... I've, I've always found sport is perfectly entertaining enough without having to risk my livelihood on it while I'm watching it. So, you know, the, the idea that the whole industry has become around betting, sick, you know, honestly, it sickens me. And there are people who get trapped into um, becoming gambling addicts and they end up in horrible life situations all because they've done their two pound each way or whatever it yeah. is from the, or the three five that Ray Winston's given them. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, we probably, I know what there's a lot of people out there who are suffering financially because they've lost a bit of their salary or mm. their, their jobs in danger or whatever. But when you are locked down, I find my sort of day to day expenses have collapsed. You know, I mean, we don't go out for restaurant meals. Or we were going out right. for a meal three or four times a week or getting it shipped in, you know, by delivery. That's all gone. Uh, all the travel has gone. The holidays have gone. And you do wonder whether if, when the economy comes back, hopefully it does, when it comes back, whether or not we'll all just be a little bit more aware of what we spend all our cash on. I mean, yeah. if the gambling industry collapses, I won't be shedding any tears for it. But do you know what's funny about that as well is that I'm always very sort of suspicious when I see these stories about kids being addicted to gambling, right? But it's not yeah. because they're addicted to gambling at bookmakers. They're addicted to gambling on uh, online because a lot of these yeah. games that they play have a kind yeah. of a gambling side to them. You know, like Fortnite, yeah. uh, you can buy things with, with credits that you win. You know, you can get into the habit of sort of gambling almost in a sort of uh, in a gaming sort of way which i think is actually yeah. even worse in a way yeah it's insidious isn't it that's probably the right word you know they suck you suck you in and and the people who i remember a guy at the mirror i'll mention his name to you later because it wouldn't be fair to mention yeah. it on air but he used to go down in his lunch break to uh the i think it was a william hill or no it was a labbrooks at the bottom of canary wharf and they had one of these roulette machines. Right. And he used to he used to spend hundreds of pounds in his lunch break on these roulette machines. And right. and then I, some days I'd bump into him and say, "I've won eight hundred quid just now." Really? But, that, but yeah, but that was once a blue moon. Mm. The other days you could tell. I mean, you never win at roulette. It's on. You play it for a long term. You are definitely going to lose. That's I got. I can, I can tell you a funny story yeah. about winning at roulette. Right? This is this will this will spook sure. this will spook you. It was on my uh, honeymoon. Right? I got married. Yeah. This would have been back in like nineteen. 1987, I think, was it? I got married. I think it was 1987, yeah. Um, and we went to Nice for a, for a honeymoon. We flew from New York to Nice um, and, of yeah. course, decided we've got to go to Monaco, right? Got to go yeah. to the, uh, uh, the, the the Hotel de Paris or whatever it's called. So yeah. we went and we were driving along the, the Corniche door or whatever it is, um, yeah. pulled into the, the underground car park of the um, 
of the of this hotel. Yeah. And as we're pulling in, um, and I was, we were on a floor where it was nearly empty, right? And my then wife, who was a bit of a superstitious type, said, "I'm thinking of the number 16. I've just got this number. It keeps appearing in my head, number 16." <laughs> and I went, "Really? That's unusual, isn't it?" And I wasn't really paying attention. I parked the car. Get out, right? Guess what number booth I was in? No. 16. <gasps> I'm not joking. Wow. And the whole place was empty, right? I could have pulled into any, and I wasn't looking. It did totally, and I went, Christ Almighty! I said, maybe we should go and put some money on it then, you know? So yeah. we went upstairs, right, into the casino, which was very posh. There was lots of people walking around wearing yeah, there, yeah. dinner jackets, right? And then we went into the the first room. Though, it was full of fruit machines, and I thought this is not really what I had in mind. I thought it was maybe like James Bond, you know, um, <laughs> and all these ordinary people are shuffling around. But then we went into the back room where the roulette was, and it was a much more kind of you know because we'd got dressed up and everything, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, we went straight to the roulette table, straight to number 16, and it came up. Yeah. No. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. And we won like that 500 is, quid, right? That's fantastic. I know. And then the guy, like, before he, quick as you like, he's got the ball in his hand, and he's like, Fed for German. I was like, stop. I said, let me take the, you're going to leave it there, right? So we took the money and literally walked out, cashed it in, went upstairs to the, uh, to the restaurant, which has got the open roof, you know. And basically yeah. spent the whole lot on dinner. Fantastic. Well, that, then you've won because I mean the amount of times I've gone to a casino as a young man, yeah, and and had a good night and then thought I'm winning, and then when you sort of look at the pattern over a, a few months, yes. you realise you've blown thousands. Yeah. We used to go. I had a mate called Ian Lindsay. He was a great snooker player, and he ran the snooker club in Formby. Right. And we used to go and get drunk on a Friday and then go to the casino in Southport. Right. And the casino at Southport, you would go and they would make you um, free sandwiches. You know, you could have free oh, yeah. roast beef toasted sandwiches right. and any drinks you liked and right. all of that. And these girls would walk past and you say, excuse me, can I have a sandwich? So it was, it was a very convivial atmosphere. Yeah. But yeah. more often than not, we used we ended up at three o'clock in the morning begging the manager for a taxi <laughs> check home. <laughs> And depending on what mood the manager was in, sometimes he'd say yes and sometimes no. And if he said no, we had to walk six miles from Southport to Formby along hey, the train line blimey. at four in the morning. Honest to God. It's like stand by me. Well, do you remember, is it Casino, the movie, um, where they have the, um, oh, the, the, the the Japanese businessman who wins millions, right? And then they get him to his plane and they pretend the plane does, doesn't work. So yeah. they bring him back and he gives it all back. <laughs> What a film! That I mean, is. it's amazing, isn't it? I love it. Absolutely love that film. In some ways, in some ways, I think, I think it's, it's my favourite De Niro film. You know. Well, it, I, I tell you what, I've got two brilliant De Niro films that aren't sort of like the ones that would trip off people's tongues. One is Casino, but yeah. the other one is Midnight Run. Oh, I love that. that. I just watched what it the other it? night because it's back on Netflix at the moment. Midnight Run. Yeah, is it? And I can Correct. watch that. I've, I mean, I must have seen it ten times. It's brilliant. It's really yeah. funny. Absolutely brilliant film. Charles, is it Charles Grodin, the other Charles guy? Charles Grodin, and I think he died a couple of years yes, ago. Yes, I think Charles he did, but he's one of the greatest sort of straight men ever. Very funny. Oh, I'll tell you, uh, if that people face of his. Seen Midnight Run, get it out. Yeah. It's fantastic. The one, the one and only time I went to Las Vegas was when I was working in America and I went to watch Barry McGuigan fighting yeah. um, in the car park of Caesar's Palace when was he lost. the one where he, he lost? He lost to the, to, the, to the Mexican... Texan guy because it was so hot. I mean, I was like, I mean, I mean it's the first and only proper boxing match I've ever been to, right? And I managed to con the Sunday Mirror into sending me to cover it for him. I think it was even like the Irish edition of the Sunday Mirror or something like that, you know. Um, and but it was all the greats. When Hugh McIlvaney was there, Ken Jones, and you know, all the big sort of boxing writers, you know, what's his face from the Mail, um, 
and we were in the car park and it was 110 degrees at sort of five, yeah. six o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and that was when they were yeah. fighting. And this guy was just pummeling McGuigan and he became just dehydrated because it was so hot and he's like this little sort of ginger Irish fella, you know, getting yeah. bang, banged around by by this bloke who basically lived in Mexico at sort of 120 yeah. degrees, you know, Fahrenheit every day. Um, I met McGuigan after that. Uh, after, um, we became quite friendly for a while. He's a nice guy, um, McGuigan, isn't he? Lovely guy. Yeah. And he's, he's very... Um, He's a, he, he loves uh, the what, what's the what, I don't know what the word is, but you know the etymology is it? The, oh yes, the, the roots of language, and and he's got this extraordinary vocabulary. He's a he's super super guy. Yeah, he really is. But on the undercard, this is what I always remember about the not only the heat of sitting there, um, but there was a guy who was known as the Hands of Stone, wasn't he? Um, oh, Roberto, Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran, right? And he was on the undercard. He was fighting a, a, a guy beneath him, and at one point, um, he got his gum shield knocked out. But the fight yeah. carried on, and all this blood was just literally spraying everywhere. I mean, it was, it was hitting our table. I was about two rows back from the ring. And this blood was just like coming like a wave of, of saliva and blood. And it was really horrible. And I was just like, this is not for me. You know, I really don't it want to be doing it. this. And it was in when the, you, you know. But what I noticed, we stayed, and I stayed in an old old sort of hotel from the 60s, which has now been knocked down. And it was long before they did, they did all the new kind of renovations and before they brought all the, you know, the sphinxes in and the, you know, the, 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 the fake Eiffel Towers and all that. But I remember yeah. going into Caesar's Palace and it was like a, a one of those covered walkways with a travelator on it, right? But when you came yeah. out the other side, there was nothing. And, you you know, so yeah. when you've basically gone in there and been ruined and spent all your money, you had to walk back the, the whole length of this travelator because they didn't care about what you did after you left. They just cared about yeah. getting you in there. That's really... You know. I, it's funny, I've been to Vegas about seven or eight times. Have you? There used to be... There was a, a couple of technology events when I used to do this tech column. Um, so I used to go over to California and, and they'd often put things on in, in Vegas. Right. And I, I took the kids a couple of years ago. We did it like a California, Nevada, Arizona sort okay. of road trip. And I thought, well, I'm bored of Vegas, but they'll want to see it. Mm. And we went and we stayed in only one night and they hated it. They really? just thought it was the shittiest place they'd ever been. Really? In, which I thought was, was terrific. It was because it is, it's a dump, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a, it, it's a, just a, a glitzy dump. Mm. And if I never see the place again, it'll be too soon. And it's all very American as well, isn't it? I mean, I remember once when I used to fly around a lot over there and I was sitting on a plane and I was for some reason going through Denver, which a lot of things used to do when you went out that way. Yeah. And I sat next to this guy, and we were talking about you. And he said, I've, I've never been out of America. And yeah. I said, okay. I said, well, don't you feel like you want to go to Europe? Why? I said, well, <laughs> you know, there's some great stuff in Europe. You could come to London. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to see. Paris, Madrid. I mean, I'm reeling off these places. Like, And he's just looking yeah. at me like, he says, if I want to uh, see the beach, I go to California. If I want to go gambling, I, I go to Vegas. Uh, if I want yeah. to see, I haven't even been to New York, but I might go there soon. And I'm like... <laughs> What is wrong with you, you fucking moron? They are a you know, species, but you know, I mean, talk about that and gambling. I once went on a uh, on a freebie cruise to Alaska. Oh yeah, and it was like it, it started. That's in meant Seattle. to be beautiful up there, isn't it? Oh, mate, honestly, what a place! Yeah. But you, this cruise, massive big cruise ship, and it's the only cruise I've ever been on. It starts in Seattle, and right. you go up the. Alaskan Panhandle, nice, um, and stop in places like Skagway and Juneau <laughs> and Ketchikan, you know, right. and they're all amazing places. Yeah. And then we went into a place called Glacier Bay, which they're not allowed in anymore because it's all too precious. Yeah. And what they used to do was there was a massive big glacier 
coming into the sea in this glacier bay, obviously named after it. And all the cruise ships would go up to the glacier and sound their horns. And bits of the glacier would fall off, you know, with the noise shaking and boom, crash into the sea. But the thing that, that always struck me as hilarious was this uh, cruise ship had a casino right. in it with, with rank upon rank of fruit machines, which all these old ladies were sitting at playing all day. Hmm. And I remember the guy saying they had a naturalist on the ship and they'd, they'd be up there saying, now, folks, if you look to your left, you'll see a sperm whale frolicking over there. Look right. at it leap, folks. Over to your right, there's a brown bear fighting with a leopard. You know, what all right. this amazing stuff. And then you'd walk through the casino, and all these women, it was the only room in the ship with no windows. And they'd all be sat in there, go, king, 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 king. Never, never stepped out once to see Alaska. Just sitting there seven days a week playing fruit machines. Yeah. Well, that was the thing I noticed as well when I went to Vegas. Was I, it's probably slightly different now, but you know, you'd walk into the so you'd walk into the main sort of part of Caesar's Palace, and there's ridiculous shops where they'd sell everything yeah. from Ferraris to kind of you know tag our watches and all that <laughs> for people that have won a load of money, so you can dump it all there. And then you go yeah. into the sort of where the where the uh, the fruit machines all were, and there's all these people, and they have to carry them out sometimes. Some of the women, particularly, who suffer from some kind of urinary tract infection because they don't because they won't they won't leave the machine because they think if they leave somebody's going to come and win, right? So they just stand there until they literally collapse, right? And uh, and the drink and you could still smoke in those days, and so you could smoke. Yeah. The drinks were basically free. Um, yeah. And there was no clocks anywhere. And that was the thing I That's noticed right. the most, that there's just no clock. You don't know whether it's daytime, there's no windows. Right. And people are just there continually for hours and hours and hours on end. And, I'm, you know, I, I don't mind the odd little punt, but I'm not. I'm, luckily it's not one of the vices I, I do much of gambling, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I found it all rather bizarre. And I thought, this is yeah. very strange. And I've never, liked, I've, I've never wanted to go back. Because I've said to the kids as well, you know, maybe we should go to Vegas one time. And they, they're, like, they're like yours. They're not particularly excited about it. I mean, they've seen The Hangover and they think it's quite funny looking. But, you know, yeah. once you tell them you might not run into Mike Tyson and we probably won't end up with a tiger in the, in the hotel room, that's yeah. probably about it, you know? I think the world has sort of superseded Vegas in its spectacular nature, yes. hasn't it? When we when we were kids, that it was an astonishing sight, but it probably isn't anymore. Well, it's a bit like I mean, I remember going to Blackpool when I was a kid, and we went yes, to um, right. you know the amazing Blackpool Pleasure Beach um, and went on the Big the Dipper. And, yeah, and I thought that was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. You know, and we went up Blackpool yeah. Tower, and I thought this is fantastic. But imagine if I took my kids there now, they'd look at me like, "What are you doing?" What have you brought, oh, no. have you brought me here for? <laughs> well, no one goes. <laughs> no. I'll tell you, I know we've been talk, we've talked about Scandinavia before, but I'll tell you what, I've seen a new show, which I'm going to recommend to people if they haven't seen it. It's called Twin, um, oh, right. and it's on BBC iPlayer. And you know that, uh, I think his name's Christoph, somebody or other, but he's a sort of Norwegian actor with a big red beard. He's in. Right. He's been in a couple of regular sort of, you know, Western movies as well. Um, yeah. But he basically plays this guy who's got a twin brother. His he he's his character is this kind of um, stoner um, skate sort of surfing dude, you know, who lives on the beach in a camper van and all that. And his brother, twin brother, who looks exactly like him, is a sort of go getter, runs a business, but is not very nice. Doesn't get on with his wife very well. Turns yeah. out there's another little twist to his romantic love life and all that. Anyway, they get into a fight, okay, um, and the the woman comes out. Um, I probably shouldn't give too much away, but I'm going to do it now. The woman, the husband, the, the, the guy with the wife's um, woman, she comes out, whacks the husband in the head because he looks like he's about to kill the other brother. Um, yeah. And they end up basically f somehow getting him into the into the fjord 
and he gets yeah. found by the police, but they think it's the other guy. So they think it's the, uh, the drifter rather than the husband. Right. So, the, of course, you know what's going to happen here because in order to protect yeah. the wife, he then has to pretend to be his twin brother. Whoa. It's really dark a, and really good. good. But the thing that's amazing about it is the scenery. I'm, and yeah. I'm literally, I'm in, you're sort of gaping open mouthed at the scenery in, in this beautiful country where I've never been. It's mountains, yeah. you know, it's sea, it's, there's surfing going on, there's beaches. Yeah. And it's all shot in Norway, as far as I'm aware. It's, it that looks amazing. That, great, that was that great joke in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, wasn't it? That God had won a design award for the Norwegian fjords. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to... I just don't know. I mean, we've been talking about uh, getting some kind of holiday organised, but I don't know how, how to go about it because nobody's really going anywhere. I mean, it's all very well saying, so we get into phase two. People start coming yeah. back to work slowly. And so I start thinking, well, maybe I'll take a week off and take the kids away. Um, but I don't know where we'd go. No, it's really awkward. And I think I, I, I was sort of thinking, well, maybe we'll have a nice sort of Christmas holiday abroad mm. somewhere. And, but I, I, I honestly don't know if we'll be travelling by Christmas. Because you were going to go to Oman, weren't you? That's right. For so Easter. I paid for flights for all of us. And... I was going to say, have they offered you, because we've been doing a lot on, on the station here about refunds and a lot of companies are not giving refunds, which is actually illegal. Yeah, well, they wouldn't give us a refund, and they said we'll give you instead. The ticket will be open for eighteen months, and you can have two, two changes of date for right. three or something. And so, ultimately, I just decided, well, you know, we'll we'll go to Oman at some point in the next yeah. year and a half. And right. So I left it at that. But I did think it was massively unfair that people aren't just getting their cash back. Well, a lot of people, particularly those who are not working, could do with the money back now. And totally, and our yeah. advice from all sorts of consumer people, we had a guy from Witch actually on doing it today uh our, the, the advice is that they have to give it to you back you know you have to just put, keep putting the pressure on but a lot of them obviously are hoping that you know they just hang on to it um uh, yeah, because they I need mean, because because they need all the money they can get as well i mean how do you how do you demand it back from a from an airline in oman though you know well i think saying, i think you have to just send them a very firm letter and just say look my i've been advised by my legal team you know just make it all up as you go along by my legal team that you have broken the law the uk law uh, if you yeah. do not pass the money back to me, I'm afraid I'll have no um, no option but to report you to the authorities. Right. That's what I would yeah. say. See how yeah. you get on. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. I mean, I do that to people all the time. I mean, I've, I remember getting a phone call once from uh, Scottish Power when I was on holiday in Mallorca, right? Because they had this ridiculous idea where they would basically... Because I won't give them my money via direct debit because I don't trust them with it. They're always trying to How get do you, me. You pay in cash. No, well, no. I just I, I fire them the money whenever they send me a bill, right? I just do it electronically. Yeah. But it's about yeah. every three months, right? But what they now do uh, is they send me a text reminder to pay the bill before I've even seen the bill. So you know they obviously send it out before it's arrived. I'm already getting you know hassled for paying the bill. So yeah. I had gone away for um, you know about a week before. I suddenly the phone rings. I mean, I was literally walking around the swimming pool and I had a couple of drinks as well, which wasn't very good news for them. Um, <laughs> and I said, who's this? It's Scottish Power. I said, what do you want? I'm on holiday. They said, well, you haven't paid your bill. I said, well, I haven't seen a bill. I said, I left a week ago. There was no bill. When did you send the bill out? They yeah. said, oh, we sent it out the other day. I said, well, I'll pay it when I get back. And they said, yeah. well, why can't you pay it now? I said, listen, if you call me ever again, I'm reporting you to Ofcom and I'm going to take you to the cleaners for, you know, pain and suffering and I'll be getting damages from you as well. So I've got some very good lawyers. So don't ever call me again. And, you know, they have never called me since. <laughs> you off i just yeah no they haven't but they just you know they sent me a uh, they sent me a text message the other day saying please can you read your meter i'm like no that's your job and they're like please, well Mr. Graham, sir. 
I don't even. I, the meter is in the basement, right? There's a whole load of meters. Yeah. Of, I don't even know which one is mine. I've no yeah. idea how to read a meter. I, and I said, that's what you. That's what you, I pay you idiots for. And they're like, oh, right. well, we're trying not to travel at the moment. I'm like, well, tough. Maybe you just have to. Yeah. And they said, well, the danger is that we'll be sending you an estimated uh, bill, which might be wrong. I said, fine. Well, it's all right with me. I don't care. Send them, send them an estimated check. Yeah, I said, I estimate that I'm going to give you 50% of what you've charged me. Yeah. It's yeah. a very weird world out there because you can get away with a lot of stuff like that if you're clever. That's good. You know. Well, there's there's one massive dependency that most people can't um, claim. I mean, and that is one of the things that say that people say is going up because they, they're horrible, some of these companies. They really gouge yeah. you, right? And they will be charging yeah. people peak. I bet you any money that we'll, we'll come out of this and we'll find out that people who are sitting at home because the government's told them not to go out are getting charged peak rate when it's yeah. uh, when they're using all their electricity, you know? I think a lot of stuff's going to get exposed and shaken down during this. I yeah. just hope that... I just hope... I mean, industries will get into serious, serious trouble. I know that it's already really difficult, but if this goes on through, you know, say September into yeah. October and the economy isn't started again... I mean, people are really going to lose homes and jo- yeah, yeah. jobs. Well, my friend Donald, you know, who who runs the garage up in Glasgow, he's yeah. he's being told basically he might not be able to reopen until December. Bloody hell! And he employs two hundred people. He's he's currently got them all on furlough, but he's also paying the twenty percent that that the government isn't paying. So they're all on full money. But he said to me, "I guarantee you, I could do it for three months, but I don't think I can do it for six. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the problem. Um, it's 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 dire. I mean, and, you know, not to be too depressing about it, but there's just no evidence that this thing has, there's a vaccine around the corner. No. And they're now, now discovering that if you've had it, then you can catch it again. Yeah. So it's like, you know, all this idea that, oh, herd immunity and all that, that's bollocks. Well, we don't really know, do we? That's the problem. I mean, it might be, it might not be bollocks. I mean, you start to sound like Peter Hitchens. You start, twice. You start, you start to sound like twice. Peter Hitchens. Well, no, because in South Korea... When they thought they had it twice, it turns out that they think they just got the test results wrong. Because that's the other problem, is some of the testing is wrong. So, right, you get a false negative or you get a false positive. So they think that the people who've now got it again, as they think they did have, they've downworked out, actually, they didn't have it before, even though the test said they did. So, I mean, there's so many, I mean, it's literally like knowns and unknowns, knowns, unknown knowns, I mean, God knows what, you know? But the thing that I keep coming back to in my own head is that this COVID family of viruses right there's i think i'm right in saying there's five of them out out of the 19 that mm. affect humans and the other four are all variants of what we would call a common cold yes right? and they have never found a vaccine for the common cold no. ever so no but they, have, but they haven't had to yeah? they haven't had to because one the common cold really doesn't kill you um yeah. and two um if you do get the common cold it's not you know it's not going to be terrible no, but I think they've been trying for a long time to find a cure for the cold. I mean, it's like the oldest science problem in the book. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, do you ever have a flu jab? I don't. No, I don't bother. No. You're still quite young, though, aren't you? Yeah, well, ish. I mean, I'm starting to get to that age now where I see myself bracketed in, you know, 50 to 60. Well, that's the thing, right? When you right? see those you see those surveys and you go, please tick your age, and you go, oh, Christ. Yeah. I'm in the well, last. I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm in the last one. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I wanted to bring up on this was that what one thing I think's becoming really ridiculous is the fact that the government says you know if you're over seventy, yeah. stay behind closed doors. Now we've got a mate, Craig McKenzie, yes. who's seventy-one. He's right? not happy with this, by the way. He's been on hey, at me I, to, to to highlight this yeah. for all week. 
Well, Craig is one of the fittest blokes you'll ever see. Yes. I mean, he could pass for 50. Oh, totally. And, and then you've got other blokes who are 71. Yeah. But also, how can you tell people... How can, how can you tell people you can't go out? I mean, he's already said to me, if they were to try and do that, he said, if, if this goes... When we get to May the 7th, if they haven't lifted some of this stuff, he said, I'm going out anyway. He said, what are they going to do? Yeah. You know? He's like, I'm gonna, are they going to arrest me for sitting in a Costa coffee having a, having a cappuccino? Well, and that's the thing. I think people ought to be able to judge the, the risk themselves. You well, know, that's, that's the kind place. of... The, you are turning into Peter Hitchens here, aren't you? Oh, really? Oh, my God. Well, his belief is that we didn't need to lock down the economy. He thinks we should have done it the way Sweden did it. But to which I say, well, the thing is, the government set out to stop the NHS from being swamped and overwhelmed with people, and that's been a that's been a success. And so yeah. he said, "Well, how, how is that? So, how is how is that a success?" I said, "Well, because it hasn't been swamped, you know." Yeah, that's the answer. And the fact that that, that the government has got that bit right um, really annoys him, you know. But he's like, but, yeah. "But," and I said, "Also, what you don't know is how badly the economy in Sweden has been affected. They might have kept restaurants open, but I don't think anyone's going to them." Yeah. So they're just suffering the, as, as, the same as everybody else. But he he claims, of course, that only he knows this, but the, the world uh, will never forgive this government for shutting down everybody's livelihood and ruining the well, economy. Well, they're hardly, this government's hardly alone in that. Well, exactly. I mean, that's what everybody's you know, doing, you know? I think 2020 hindsight is, is the most marvellous gift, but the, we will look back on this and say, well, we overreacted there, we underreacted there. You know, if you'd have known everything, then you'd be the genius yeah. of all geniuses. And but I think also done. the government was desperate not to see, as they did in northern Italy, you know, lorries driving in the middle of the night full of dead bodies and, yeah, you know, yeah. dead bodies being lined up in town squares because there was nowhere else to put them. I mean, that yeah. would kill off any government anywhere, you know? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, so, it's very hard to say what is the right course of action in a totally unprecedented situation. That's yeah. the whole bloody point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the point of the pandemic. You know, it's like the same yeah. with all these idiots saying, why didn't you buy more ventilators? Well, guess what? It turns out we don't need them now. And <laughs> yeah, Dyson have right. made 20 million quids worth of ventilators. We're having to give them away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or can you yeah. turn it back into a, uh, you know, turn it back into a hairdryer or something, you know. <laughs> I'll buy one. <laughs> Anyway, well, it's good that we're both in fine fettle, it would seem. I, yep. I, we didn't even get into how you've been over the last week or so, because I've been okay, and I guess you have as well. Same as, yeah, same as. Hmm, good. All right, well, listen, I'll see you next week, and hopefully yep. by then we may know a bit more. Well, let's hope so. Hope everyone else out there is doing well and keeping safe. Yeah. We'll speak to you next week. Great stuff. But the thing that, that always struck me as hilarious was this uh, cruise ship had a casino right. in it like, with rank upon rank of fruit machines, which all these old ladies were sitting at playing all day. Mm. And I remember the guy saying they had a naturalist on the ship and they'd, they'd be up there saying, now, folks, if you look to your left, you'll see a sperm whale frolicking over there. Look right. at it leap, folks. Over to your right, there's a brown bear fighting with a leopard. You know, what? all right. this amazing stuff. And then you'd walk through the casino, and all these women, it was the only room in the ship with no windows, and they'd all be sat in there go, king, 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 king. Never, never stepped out once to see Alaska. Just sitting there seven days a week playing fruit machines. Yeah. And I said, who's this? It's Scottish Power. I said, what do you want? I'm on holiday. They said, well, you haven't paid your bill. 
I said, well, I haven't seen a bill. I said, I left a week ago. There was no bill. When did you send the bill out? They said, oh, we sent it out the other day. I said, well, I'll pay it when I get back. And they said, yeah. well, why can't you pay it now? I said, listen, if you call me ever again, I'm reporting you to Ofcom and I'm going to take you to the cleaners for, you know, pain and suffering and I'll be getting damages from you as well. So I'm a very good lawyer, so don't ever call me again. And, you know, they have never called me since. as you like he's got the ball in his hand he's like fed with German I was like stop I said let me take the you leave it there right so we took the money and literally walked out cashed it in went upstairs to the uh, to the restaurant which has got the open roof you know and basically yeah. spent the whole lot on dinner he's very robotic and uh, and small as well I haven't quite appreciated just how small he is 